Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Checkerboard Chat. I'm Ethan Stone, the assistant sports editor here at the Daily Beacon. I've got Josh Lane, sports editor, and Riley Thomas with me. What's up, y'all? Doing well. Doing, Doing well, good. Ethan. We're hanging in there after a little of a trashy episode on Saturday, but, you know, we live and you learn. We get through it. Yeah, we're getting better as it goes along, yeah. I think. You know, semester's getting getting going. I think we're getting to a point where we're getting okay at this podcast stuff. We started yeah. a little late. Started yeah, a little late, we, but, you know, that's all right. The later the better. You know, leaving some muster stains out there. We're trying to get them out. May not get them out, but it's okay. Um, getting hit with a couple of balls here and there, but, you know, we, you, you move past those. Yeah, I think that was a pretty good segue. Yeah. You know, <laughs> obviously, the uh, topic this week is, you know, just recapping Ole Miss, recapping, you know, the insanity that happened at the end of that, and and moving into Alabama week, um, if you could call it a rivalry, yeah. I don't know, what would you guys label that? Um, a one-sided affair, or just, yeah. you know, UT just sent some guys out there to go, hey, go play this third Saturday, or it's a fourth Saturday in October this yeah. year, just I, go play a football game. Yeah, I think Alabama's looking to make it 15 in a row on the Vols, 15, yeah. they got 14, yeah. um, you know, the past couple times. I mean, Josh Heupel seems to be the guy to break that to break that streak, Josh, what do you think about that? Maybe not year one, but yeah. um, I think you know maybe you know a couple of years in the future, Tennessee they got some gumption. They're playing with energy now, but uh, I think we're a little ways away. Um, speaking of energy, let's start out with uh, our our recap of Tennessee Ole Miss last mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, Tennessee did take a thirty-one twenty-six loss, but man, oh man, there was a lot of storylines in that game. Lost it over. Um, yeah, so I mean, first of all. Matt Corral just running up and down the field yeah. on Tennessee. Um, he was approaching near 200 yards on the ground for, out of the quarterback position. Um, just Tennessee had no answer. Third down, fourth down, anytime, even in third and long situations, anytime he wanted to, he would just draw right up the middle, go untouched for 15 yards. Yeah, yeah it's it's incredibly frustrating, I feel yeah. like, for, for a Tennessee defense that really played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. You know, you got a guy like that that is just such a generational talent, and you can't even really blame secondary or linebackers too much for it. It's just he's so good at what yeah. he does, and he knows, you know, I can bait him, I can do whatever I want back here because right. I'm just so fast. I can, I'm shifty, I can, I can really put the moves on him, and I mean, Corral led all rushers, if I'm not mistaken. I think he yeah, led. He, he he was above his own running back, Henry Parrish, and he was above, obviously Jabari Small, um, who had a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. But but you know, when it comes down to it, that was really the storyline of the game, other than you yeah. know what happened. At what the happened end. afterwards? But I mean, it, it is just a bona fide. You just saw Matt Corral was the best part on the field on Saturday. There was no question about it. And I mean, the crazy part was, so yeah, he ran for 195. He threw for 231. I mean, Hooker threw for more than he did by two more yards, but, I mean, like, the impressive part was just seeing him be so dynamic on the ground. I mean, the whole stadium knew it was coming. I would hope Tennessee defense knew it was coming the QB run, and they still could not stop it. And then the plays where he couldn't find anybody open, and then he would just make it happen, just get, you know, eight yards, whatever it took to get the first down. Yeah, and, I mean, I may be slightly off on this, but, you know, while we're up there, while we're covering the game, I lean over to Josh and – I think it was about halfway through, maybe a little bit in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And I think by game's end, Matt Corral had 10 of Ole Miss's 13 third and fourth down conversions. Yeah. Wow, that's a mouthful. But, <laughs> I mean, that that's really telling, yeah. though. Like, on yeah. third and fourth down especially, he was just obliterating yeah. the balls on defense. And yeah. it, it, that's just got to be frustrating yeah. for a guy like Heupel. And, I mean, the passing attack, he did fine. I mean, he really didn't impress me. He missed some throws. And now, granted, some guys did drop some touchdowns, so that did help. 
But, I mean, just you just see why he is a perennial Heisman candidate behind Bryce Young. Him and him are neck and neck. Just the dynamic guy that he is on the ground, through the air. You can see why. What's crazy is he was a backup but almost before Lane Kiffin got there. And then now he's a Heisman frontrunner. It's just he speaks to Lane Kiffin and the growth from last year, 14 interceptions to now. We forced the first interception of the season against him. We can take that to the grave. But, yeah, I, he is a dynamic player, no yeah. question. Yeah, so Corral, first drive of the game. I mean, first drive of the game, Tennessee, you know, forces an old Miss punt, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right off the bat, you you kind of setting yourself up for success, maybe thinking, all right, our defense has been playing well all year. Maybe something changes this game. Um, maybe we'll get to Corral. Um, but Ole Miss punts, Valus, June, uh, Valus Jones Jr., back to receive it. Uh, you know, he's inside the five or wherever it was. Drops the punt, muffs it, Ole Miss recovers. They score pretty quick after and that just kind of set the tone for the game. Tennessee was playing from behind for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Corral was running all over the place. Um, you know, it was it was it was close enough to where you thought Tennessee had a chance there, maybe a couple plays away, but it just felt like Ole Miss was kind of in the driver's seat for most of it up until yeah. kind of late in the fourth quarter, and that's where things started to get crazy. Um, Tennessee was driving there to end of third, start up the fourth qu- quarter with a touchdown to pull it uh, within the final score. They were within five points of Ole Miss, and neither team scoring um, much. And then Tennessee gets the ball back about midway through the quarter. It might, I guess it was a little later than midway because there's about, oh, I don't know, two minutes left or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sets up that, that fourth and 24 play. You're driving, you get to midfield, and penalties and a sack, I believe it was, and you're back fourth and long. Hooker finds um, Jacob Warren over the middle, comes up 23 yards, just a yard short. Yeah. There's that there's that spot, and it's hard to tell, man. I don't know how many times I've watched that video, and yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe he got it, and sometimes yeah. it's – yeah, I think he's short. And, you know, you can't really – it's hard with the refs being where they are, and they're not as fast as Jacob Warren. They're going to have to make the, make the spot from yeah. where behind. They're not going to be parallel with him or whatever, so – it's a tough spot, and, man, that leads to some chaos, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you know, you can make the argument all you want, but when it comes down to it, where they spotted the ball was paramount mm-hmm. to that decision. Mm-hmm. If they had spotted the ball at the 40-yard line or wherever it was the line of game, I believe it was the 40, but mm-hmm. if they spot it at the line of game, that's a first down. They wouldn't be able yeah. to overturn it. The major thing is the camera angle they had on the ball on or the lack of, you know, yeah, where we lack. could see the ball. Yeah. That that's ultimately what did Jacob Warren in. Yeah. Me personally, I'm, I don't know. I'll die on the hill that I think he made it, but there's no way to tell. No. So they made the right call. It, it was the right call because within the parameters of what they're allowed to do, right. they they I think did it correctly. Yeah, and I mean the tough part is, like you said, you don't have the camera angle from the angle that we did see. His his right arm does extend, but the ball is not in his hands in that scenario. And what's crazy is I don't know if you all watched the Monday night game for the Titans and the Bills that play where Josh Allen jumped over that guy, they had that literally a camera on the first down mm-hmm. marker, and yeah. I'm like, where was that two That would ago? have been a perfect well, Perfect. The SEC has $250,000 extra dollars now. Yeah. They do. I mean, ESPN is being... So maybe they will now. ESPN is being cheap kits as they are. It's just like, <laughs> how can you not put a camera right there for that scenario? <laughs> that would and I be mean, a good idea. The, the, the whole game was just full of just mishaps. I mean, you know, SEC, they're saying is it just means more. Talk about the best conference in the league. But you got these refs that mess up every single 
week. Yeah. How can you call Matt Corral forward progress stopped? I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I, and my thing is too, those refs, they screwed up Mississippi State in the Memphis game this year with that with that punt. Yeah. Last year they screwed up Arkansas Auburn. These refs have caused issues for a different team every single week. If I'm Greg Sankey, I mean, you got to step up and take some kind of just you got to step up and just make some changes here, man. Like this is too much. You yeah. cannot let these guys control the game. Yeah, and I, I don't even think this is necessarily at this point coming from just a Tennessee perspective. I mean, yeah. there were several times throughout the game that Ole Miss yeah. got the same same treatment, just a wrong call. I mean, yeah. let's just call it how it is. Yeah. I mean, the 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 Tyler Barron thing at, 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 in the, was the first quarter, first, first, first half. First yeah. half. It was yeah. the first half, yeah. and. You know, there is just no reason on earth that should no. not have been a scoop and score for Tennessee. That should have been seven because what Ole Miss was trying to do, I believe, you know, I'm not Lane Kiffin, but what I think he was trying to do was a fake play. Mm-hmm. I think he tried to hand it off, do the old hidden ball trick, yes. and the quarterback, Matt Corral, he just he just sold it. He you did. know, he, he acted like he was like, oh, that you know, yeah, false yeah. start or something. He was well, trying to get out of it because right. he realized what had happened. Tyler Barron and whoever else was there. So Matthew um, Butler. Matthew maybe, Butler, or, yeah. maybe. They're just smart enough to know this this is still a live play going on here. Yeah. Like they're not gonna get fooled by that. They rip the ball out, run it back, and it's like forward progress could not have been called because he didn't move. No. He didn't move a mu- he didn't go backwards, he didn't go forward, he didn't move a muscle. And the and the rest <laughs> followed him the entire play to the continuation. Yep. Didn't call a single thing either. No whistle was blown. See, there's just little stuff like that and, and I was telling Josh earlier, football is a dynamic game and it's a game of chaos. Yeah. If that had happened, it would have been a completely different game. And that right. doesn't necessarily mean Tennessee's going to win. That no. doesn't necessarily mean that it's even going to be close. Who knows? Tennessee could have taken off from that point. Or maybe that's the only score of the game for the balls. It's right. just one thing leads to another, that kind of butterfly effect, yeah. I guess. But yeah. but when it comes down to it, that would not have hurt the balls in that moment. And likely it would have given them some momentum going Agreed. forward. Yeah, so you have that call. And, I mean, Tennessee fans have had years and years of that kind of mess, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just calls going against them and whatever, and even kind of this season too. But you have that call early in the game, and then, you know, there's other ones, and you have the Jacob Warren one at the end, and that's kind of the tipping point for fans. And that's when, you know, everything starts going crazy. Um, You know, fans, and as we've come to find out right in that story, maybe Ole Miss fans started at first in celebration, but they're throwing bottles and trash on the field at the van or whatever. And then Tennessee fans, maybe they don't realize exactly what's going on. They're joining in, especially after the call was reviewed and upheld. Then that's when they're really protesting mm-hmm. the game. They're throwing stuff, trash. I mean, there's that mustard bottle. That's why we dubbed it the mustard bowl. That mm-hmm. picture of the random yeah. mustard bottle on the field yeah. that went viral. A golf ball hits Lane Kiffin. I mean, they're just throwing everything. It was chaos. The game's late for 20 minutes. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, the article refer- we're referencing, we just came out with it today. Um, utkdailybeacon.com mustard bowl you know chaos causes uh or uh, the uh the, what, what, what do we call it the controversial the controversial call, call yeah, causes chaos. chaos yeah there we go i don't know the title of my own article but but regardless you know just just what we're talking about here like it doesn't matter too much who started it that's yeah. just you know that's that's what our thing was about but it doesn't matter too much who started it it's it's not a great look either way but to act like other schools and other you know, organizations have not done this for not just the past couple years, forever. Since Mm -hmm. sport has existed, people have gotten angry and felt that their team was wronged. And obviously, that's just, I mean, 
no official met at half, you know, at midfield before the game and said we are going to make Tennessee lose this game. Right. That's not how it works. No. And and you know, if you believe if you believe that way, you're kidding yourself. I mean, there could be some bias that mm-hmm. I, I can definitely believe that. But you know, to to act like the fix is in or something like that, I yeah. I, I don't know. I I I don't assign myself yeah. to that line of thinking. I just, you know, just go and look at it. Some guy literally went to the hot dog stand and grabbed a mustard ball. <laughs> I mean, like, that's how that happens. And then some other person brought in a golf ball. Like, how does yeah. that, how do they get a golf ball? Or, like, what in their right mind, like, hey, I'm bringing a golf ball. Yeah. You know, I will say, at least you didn't throw, like, a Pro V1 at Lane Kiffin. He threw, like, mm-hmm. a, a crappy little practice ball. <laughs> that was a good thing about it. But, you know, it, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was at the game, you know, I was watching and I just, I didn't want to believe it was actually happening. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at it. I was like, are they actually throwing things at like, you know, people? And then from my vantage point, so I was sitting behind the old Miss band and there were people throwing like water bottles on them. Mm-hmm. And at that point I'm, I'm getting a little like fresh. I'm like, I got to get out of here. Like, mm-hmm. this is just not like when I saw the band, the cheerleaders go off into the tunnel, I'm like, man. Yep. This is getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a safety concern. Now, granted, I'm not condoning anybody to do this, but the people that did do it, that's a very small minority for the UT fans. Mm-hmm. And I just don't appreciate the national media dog. Oh, excuse me. Whoa, voice crack. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> Goodness gracious. You think I hadn't hit puberty yet. Um, but I don't appreciate the national media dogging. Um, just, I, I just don't get it. Like, they're just trying to get an excuse to just. Make us look bad. That's just what I'm getting And that's, that. that's exactly what Josh Heupel was talking about after the game, and I guess even Monday, too, was the atmosphere for 59 minutes of the game, mm-hmm. and 99% of the fans was incredible, was electric. I mean, everything they they wanted to be. They had Checker Nealon there. Yeah. I think I saw they broke their decibel record yeah. there at yeah. 120 yeah. or whatever it yeah. was. So the fans were loud. They were paying attention. They were energetic. They were enjoying the game the whole time. And just, I mean, all these factors and, you know, if they're a fall or what, you know, we're not going to condone or condone, condemn. What's the word? Well, it, it, I think one of them. I think both will work. Both of them do I work. Think yeah. work. Anyways, <laughs> Keep not, cooking. Yeah, we're, <laughs> not saying, we're not saying they're without fault. But, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a small percentage of the fan, and that's what they're saying. It, it, it takes away, ultimately, it from the story of the exactly. game, is that, that Tennessee was really, they played a great game, yeah. and they were really uh, just a couple plays away yeah. from beating Ole Miss. See, I mean, if, if Tennessee wins that game, do you guys think that, that this is still at, at, at the national level, level it is, or do you think it's even more so? Do you think national media is like, entitled Tennessee fans can't even take a win? I, I mean, what? Like, I mean, just, you mean like if we would have, if Tillman would have caught that pass at yeah. the end there? If Tillman catches that pass, which, by the way, that actually, I mean, I don't want to be placing blame on anyone. It's very hard to be a student athlete, so don't take this wrong. That actually was a great throw by Jones. It was. It was I, a I mean, fantastic There was throw nobody open. They were playing prevent, literally just hanging at the goal mm-hmm. line, and he finds Tillman somehow. Mm-hmm. A great throw. Tillman actually jumped a little early. If yeah. he had timed his jump better, that might have been Probably six. Probably a touchdown. That, that, might, a football game. that might have been a Tennessee victory. You know, we're talking – Tennessee sitting five and two. It probably overshadows it just a little bit, Mm -hmm. but not to the entirety. I mean, yes, Tennessee would have come out with the victory, but I I still do think that the trash would have overshadowed the victory, sadly. That's what it would come to. Um, But I I do think it it would help a little bit, but I, I think since, no, I think since, Throwing stuff on the field doesn't happen as much compared to a game-winning touchdown. 
I think that will take the national media attention over the win. Mm-hmm. But like you know, the headline be like Tennessee wins, but in a trashy way or something yeah. like that. So you know what I mean? Like it, it just something like that would happen. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, there's a delay going on. It's 20 minutes. Once you know all the bands have cleared out, like half the student section has been cleared out. They've moved Ole Miss from the middle of the field back to the sideline because it's safe for them to be at the sideline. Ole Miss has a ball, and everyone figures there's, what, a minute left, maybe a little less than a minute. 54 seconds, yeah, I think. 54 yeah, 54 seconds. seconds. This yep. game is over. And then Tennessee's defense comes out with a stop. They stop. Mm-hmm. They force a punt. I guess they had all three timeouts at yeah. that point. And they f- force a punt and get the ball back. And then I think second play of that next drive, Hinton Hooker gets hurt on that run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's – because you think Tennessee's got a chance. They got Hooker, the ball, you know – and then he gets hurt on that run. Yeah. And then, you know, Joe Milton's going to have to come in. And we know what Joe Milton's done this year. And it's, you know, overthrows and all this inconsistency. But he's got the talent. And then, again, like we mentioned, they were two plays away. He, he overthrew Tillman. Or maybe he didn't even overthrow Tillman. Yeah. Tillman maybe missed a catch by just yeah. a little bit. And then there's that scramble. And he, he ran out of bounds on the last play. That was a bit of a questionable play. But, yeah. I mean, anyway, in, the, in the end, you're two plays away. Mm-hmm. From yeah. from upsetting Ole Miss with even your backup quarterback who you know made a good throw when yeah. he needed to. Yeah, I mean the the takeaways from this game, if the trash doesn't happen, I think are mostly positive. I mean, Tennessee loses that game, sure, fan base is very upset, and there's the officials, there's the calls, whatever you want to say. If you want to look on the positive side, though, that was the lowest score Ole Miss had all year. Yeah, they they hadn't been below forty. They had not been held below forty. They were averaging. 46 games, mm-hmm. 46, I'm sorry, 46 points going into the, the game. game. Yeah. And, and you know, just an elite offense. And yes. for Tim Banks and company on defense to be able to stop that, to get a safety for the first time in, since 2015, I believe Some, it was. Yeah. And first pick on Corral. First pick yeah. on, on Matt Corral, Heisman candidate. Just all this little stuff that – and then holding them right there with 54 seconds left. Do you right. think the game's over? Yeah. They just and need a first down. Load yeah, first all they down. need is a first down and the game's over. And Ron it's, Corral it's, for 10 yards. It's Lane Kiffin <laughs> and Matt Corral, you yeah. know, this power duo, and you're stopping them, and then you're getting the ball back, putting yourself in a position to win. That is just not what would have happened a year or two ago. No. And, and you know, you're – you get in that position with with you know past administrations, and you probably let them score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> the defense probably no, lets them right. score, and then they put the game away. And you know you you chalk it off as oh we'll get them next Whatever. time. But this time when you say you'll get them next time, if it wasn't Alabama, you'd legitimately you believe that. You legit, yeah. Because I mean, like back to your point of the defense, they balled out. Mm-hmm. They literally so Ole Miss ran 101 plays with like a 510 yards. To say you held Ole Miss to five yards a play with that offense that has the firepower it does and just the ability to make these huge plays, they kept them under wraps. Now, granted, there were a couple of drop touchdowns, but still, they were within that game. The they were within a score or two within the entire ball. That's all you can ask for with that defense. Yep. That is hurts. You know, guys out there. Depth to me now is just the issue of Tennessee, and you, mm-hmm. that is evident with all these injuries out there. And even with that, all the depth issues and injuries, they performed at a high level. Yeah, you got to remember missing a pretty decent chunk of the offensive line. Yeah. Cade Mays is out. out Best offensive lineman probably. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Cooper Mays that Cooper was the Mays other one. That was other out. one. Yeah. You're missing Ty and Evans, who was yeah. a game time game time decision. Mm-hmm. You're missing, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't mean a huge amount, but Hooker at the very end. Right. If, if Hooker's in, do you win that game? I mean, it's it's, it's possible. It's possible. You, you get Hooker with two throws at the three throws at the end zone. Sorry, yeah. instead of Mills. 
Milton, you know, running out of bounds. Right. But I, I don't want to talk too much about that. That yeah. was just, you know, that's that's neither it here nor there. Perfect way to end the game, honestly. <laughs> perfect way to end the game. And that, <laughs> got the first down. Yeah. But you know, when it comes down to with all those injuries in Tennessee to be, you know, competing in that manner, and I don't even want to sound like I'm, you know. Go team, you know, go them. This is a moral victory, something. Right. It's you no know, Tennessee fans have stuff to be yes. excited about, yes. legitimately, that even in a, a losing effort. That was a top fifteen team, and you lost to them by five points, mm-hmm. and you held them to you know thirty one points, five hundred five hundred one yards, whatever it might have been. Yeah, yeah, and you got to come out of the way. You can come out of the way, like you said, moral victories. No one likes those, but if you want one, to me that is one. In year one, you're doing that. That, to me, is a moral victory. Yeah, and you got, I mean, a perfect opportunity coming up. You got, you're going to Alabama next week. You got a bye and then Kentucky after that, Mm -hmm. and then you got Georgia. And, you know, those are three ranked teams all in a row, and then, you know, Vandy and South Alabama to end end the season. But, you know, I I feel like that's a pretty good segue to just start talking about what's up next for Tennessee. And the answer to that is another Heisman candidate quarterback. Can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's think. Let's talk about our own quarterback failure for a minute. And neither one of them are Heisman candidates. Sorry. Sadly. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so obviously, Hooker goes down with a leg injury. I don't. Heupel never said if it was knee or ankle. It's it's a leg injury. Yeah. We thought it might be kind of severe. Like when he first came out of the game, it it looked like one of those where maybe that's a potential season ender. It, it looked bad, but he comes back, and on Monday, Josh Heupel says, uh, Hooker's day-to-day, it's not as bad as we thought. Um, so, that's, I mean, that's positive news for Tennessee because yeah. Hooker has been one of the best quarterbacks in the in the conference. That That's great news for them that he's not out for the rest of the season. Um, but he's probably not going to play against Alabama. I, that, I, I, I don't see any reason why, with him being questionable, yeah. you start Hooker against Alabama. So that means... Well, I guess there's an option there for Josh Heupel. He's got Joe Milton, who was your opening day starter, um, won the job against Bowling Green, and then through injuries and underperformance, lost it, lost it out to Hendon Hooker. And then even on the bench, your third stringer is Harrison Bailey. He has, what, played one game in garbage time this mm-hmm. year? Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically had no playing time since last season. So... What does is, what is Josh Heupel do at quarterback? I mean, it's Alabama. Do you just say, Hooker, we got a bye week coming up, just get through this game? Or do you, you say, well, all right, we're trying to trying to wait, mm-hmm. we're trying to recover, get to this bye week, get to Kentucky, start Joe Milton? Or is Harrison Bailey even on the table? Ethan, your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, Hooker should be off the table, in my opinion. If, if I was Josh Heupel, and there's plenty of reasons why I'm not Josh Heupel, but if I was Josh Heupel... Hendon Hooker is not seeing the field. Yeah. I mean, for one, he's not going to be healthy enough. That I mean, you know, he says day to day, but that that doesn't mean anything. That injury looked very bad, mm-hmm. and you know, it's good news that he's. It's not going to be season ending. I I believe that, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I buy that. You know, Hooker could be ready this Saturday. It, even if he is, yeah. Hendon Hooker should not touch the field in this game against Alabama. It's just you know, there's there's. Bigger things in the future that that Hooker is you know going to be needed for, mm-hmm. and so I I don't even think that's an option personally. So your second option, knowing Heupel, it's most likely going to be Joe Milton, and you know that's that's not exactly a bad thing to to put all your chips in on. You know Milton's he has experience against these big schools. Um, you know he's had his consistency problems this year, but like we said earlier, he had a throw that put Tennessee in a position to win mm-hmm. against um, against Ole Miss. So 
you gotta you gotta just throw him out there, say you have complete confidence in him, and just let him loose to yeah. see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, I I'm gonna I'm gonna tend to agree with you. Obviously, if we had the slightest bit for some reason to beat Alabama, you play Hooker. But since we don't, since Tennessee does not, you at this point you need to rest him because the bye week's coming up. Sit him for two weeks. Because we don't even know how much he's practiced this week. Mm-hmm. To me, that means a lot, too. Very little, I think. I yeah. think Kyle said today he's maybe in the last day or so he's gotten a few reps, but I don't think it's anything much. Yeah, so, I mean, like, that's a, that should speak volumes into how little Hypel is just trying to, you know, get him healthy again. I just – you, you got to chalk this one up as, you know, Alabama, it's, it's sadly probably going to be a loss. They're just yeah. too good. Our injuries have hurt us, the depth issues. And we were playing at a high level with what we have at this point, but it is just – I just don't see how that team – how Tennessee can compete against Bama. See, and I just want to jump in here. Obviously, I, I, I like the way we're going. But, man, you talk about Tennessee not going into this game, chalking it up as a loss. You yeah. know, there's there's fans that, that could be out there saying, you know, I don't know, man. You just rest Hooker because Alabama is just going to be a loss, and I can definitely understand that sentiment. But yeah. if you think for a second these players are oh, thinking no. that, I mean, I'm not saying you are personally, yeah. but if if you think if fans from Tennessee think for a second that Josh Heupel is just chalking this up as yeah. a loss, you are sadly yeah. mistaken. In past administrations, maybe so, but Josh Heupel's going into it to win this yeah. game. You know it. You know. No, it. I, I agree with you there. They're definitely not. But I hope in the back of his mind, he's also thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. You know, he can use this game as to help out Milton potentially, just for other scenarios. Obviously, Hooker is the guy. You just don't want to get him any more hurt than he yeah. already is, because like you said, that injury looked a lot worse than what Heupel was claiming it out to be, which is great news. But who's to say? Alabama won't hurt him even more on it. Yeah. You know, it just you don't know. Yeah, I think I think Heupel is is a smart enough dude and a, a uh, he thinks ahead enough that that much. I think he's shown that he knows. You know, there's a chance in other ways that Tennessee can do this. I right. and he'll game plan for that. Yeah. Tyon Evans is likely going to be back. We yes. don't know that for sure, sure. but. But if he's a game-time decision against Ole Miss, then he's likely going to be back against Alabama. And so you better know that Tennessee is going to be just going against their front seven. Yeah. And and obviously, Bama, you know, their defense is is not quite top in the nation, but it's it's nearing that elite level for sure, as it yeah. always is. And yeah. so Heupel's going to have a game plan going in. It's I think it'll be outside the box. You know, you just never know. And, and you know... You can watch the ESPN projections. You can watch yeah. that sort of stuff, but none of that matters to no, Josh Heupel. No. no, yeah. In the end, he gets it. We're Tennessee's over halfway through his schedule. Haven't had his bye week yet. Now you got an injured quarterback, and he's already Heupel's already called the team many times, like the thinnest roster in America. Yeah, he gets where we're at injury injury wise. So he's going to be precautious, like Ethan said. He's going to be scheming up. He always is always creative. They're going to find other ways to come out and be competitive. Um, but they're at at this point, especially regarding Hinton Hooker, I think they're yeah. gonna be they're gonna be valuing players yeah. and health. One quick thing for those that want Harrison Bailey, I hope that he plays <laughs> so you all can shut up about him <laughs> wanting to get in there. He is the third string for a reason. I hate the people that go on sports radio and say clamoring for him to play, for him to start because he's the most accurate passer, because he threw for a seventy five completion percentage last year. Well that was last year, this is this year. He's third string for a reason. I hope he plays, and you know I hope he does great. You know whatever, <laughs> but I you know I would love to hear your all's excuses come Monday morning 
if he does get in there and Alabama just, you know, dogs him. Riley Riley is telling it how it is. Yeah, <laughs> that, I know. You know I mean, and, I'm just speaking from I'm just speaking from my heart. You and, know, the the best two are Hendon, Hooker, and Milton because of what they bring to the table. They fit the offense better. Bailey does not. Simple as that. See, and there's Harrison Bailey definitely has that talent. That's the thing. Yes, that, I'm not denying his talent. Yeah, he just doesn't fit the offense. That's the thing, is is people Jeremy Pruitt and Josh Heupel have different systems. Yes. That much, that much. I think we can all agree 100%. with. Um, you know, Heupel's the one putting up the points. He's the one going out there being fast. And Harrison Bailey is a great quarterback, but he's a pro style quarterback. Yes. So when it comes down to it, you know, I think he has the potential to do well in the system. I do. I think he has the arm, but that doesn't mean that right now he is the guy for it. And yeah. you know, he could go out there against Alabama and he could kill it. I could definitely see it because the guy has the raw talent, yeah. but. You know, Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, they, at this moment, they, they just give Tennessee the better options. So when there's people, you know, on Twitter, on social media saying that Harrison Bailey is the guy, it's like, yes, he is the guy for Pitt. He, yeah, is, I mean, he, he is, is the yeah. guy. He Simple. is the guy for South yeah. Carolina. South Carolina would love oh, Harrison Bailey. Whatever. Oh, God. You know, and, love him. and, you know, um, What's what's under school? Mississippi State, State. would love yeah, Harrison the air Bailey system, right now. Yes, and yes. you know, just Tennessee just isn't quite right there in that moment right no. now. So I, I'd be interested to see what he could do because on the same side of the coin, he hasn't exactly had a shot. Not, I mean, he's had garbage time garbage this season. Time. So yeah. you just never know. He could he could prove one person wrong one way or the other. But when it comes down to it, I think I share Riley's sentiment in in a more, I guess. Uh, um, <laughs> how do I put this? Uh, quiet, not quiet. quiet, but softer yeah, way. That, that Harrison sure. Bailey, he has the talent, but when it comes down to it, yeah. I'm just not sure he's the guy that can yeah. go out there and, and, you know, do it against Alabama. Like yeah, Dumbledore. some numbers here. One game, uh, garbage time blowout as you mentioned. Harrison Bailey completed three passes for 16 yards. Um, Joe Milton, 46%, 255 yards, one touchdown. Mm-hmm. So neither one is blowing you away. No. Um, neither one has really had much of a chance since Hooker stepped up, but that's where we are right now. Um, yeah, see, I could also – I forgot to add this. So I'll, I'll let you keep going afterwards. But I can very well see a possibility where Hypo rolls them both out at some point. Yeah. I really could. Oh, well, I mean, he's mentioned the there's two quarterbacks. He, he did earlier in the season, and, you know, obviously Hypo doesn't hate Bailey. He, he knows his talent. He yeah. knows what he has there at that at that uh, at that slot, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's the third string, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to use him. So, yeah. especially this far in the season, especially getting to know Harrison, getting to know his play style, I feel like this is this is the game that I could see Hypel kind of rolling out yeah. something like that, just to see where we're at, just to see what he can do, just to give him that valid chance just, when Hooker is at out. At this point, just throw anything out there and see if they can stop it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, honestly, like I said earlier about football being about chaos, yeah. that's that's kind of what's got to happen. I mean, Hypel this week could be just playing some brain games with Saban, saying that Hooker's day to day, but you know it could be whatever. That's the equivalent about Hooker. With his running ability and the leg injury, you wonder how much, if he does end up playing, how little he would run. That's why I kind of hope he doesn't play because he's so he brings that to the table. And if he does run, it just takes one bad tackle and just one yeah. bad step. Yeah, so definitely plenty of questions there for Josh Heupel. He obviously knows what he's doing. Uh, he's a football coach for a reason. We are sitting in a room doing a podcast for a reason, so <laughs> yeah. not, not to yeah. dog on us. But, yeah. uh, you know, Heupel, Heupel will make the right call, I'm sure. Um, so speaking of quarterbacks, when you look at Alabama, um, their star player this year has been Bryce Young. Uh, as a freshman, and I forgot this, one of the top, maybe even the top recruit of his class mm-hmm. goes to Alabama and sits on the bench under Mac Jones. 
comes out this year, his sophomore year, and is probably the leading Heisman. It depends on who you ask, but he's probably yeah. the leading Heisman candidate. I think odds, um, him and Corral are pretty close, but some, some places have young head. But young, let's see some numbers on him, 69% completion percentage, two, over 2,000 yards, 24 passing touchdowns. I think that's third in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has just been dynamic, on off, uh, dynamic, incredible, whatever word you want to use on offense. Um, but we mentioned the Heisman candidacy. We saw Matt Corral last week. He's probably, you know, the 1B one, one to, to Young at 1A. So is, is Young still – I mean, we'll see him Saturday, so maybe this will be a better question for next week. But is Young your leading Heisman candidate right now? Did Corral – I mean, what did you see from him? Does that affect your answer at all? See, I've – I've watched Alabama games this year, obviously. I'm kind of a college football junkie when it comes to that stuff. And, and you know, not to take anything away from the guy, I, he is a fantastic football yeah. player. I mean, that, that I think goes without saying. I, I'm i not sure he quite stacks up to the Alabama quarterbacks of the past. And like I said, that's really, that's that's a heck of a thing to be put in. Okay. I mean, you know, All he's right. he's been a good quarterback this year, but when you compare him to the Mac Jones, to the when Jalen Hurts was there, when Tua Tagovailoa was there, he, he puts Alabama in positions to win, but I'm just not sure that, you know, he's a freshman, he makes mistakes. I'm not sure he is in that conversation as Corral, just because I think Corral has the experience on him. I think... Corral is better with his legs, and Corral just has a cannon, (laughs) you know, for an arm. Bryce Young is a top three quarterback in the nation. That much I can say without a shadow of a doubt. But in my opinion, I think Corral kind of runs away with it. Josh is trying to destroy the studio here. But But yeah, to keep going anyway, you know, Bryce Young, fantastic athlete. He's going to give Tennessee some trouble, but... I think Tennessee is on the receipt on you know the the back end of their uh, I guess campaign against Heisman yeah. quarterbacks. You know you got Kenny Pickett a while ago yeah, too, like, and yeah. and you know he might not be number number two or number three on the list, but he's top five too. Yeah. So so you know Tennessee is is definitely playing all yeah. the guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with you there a little bit, uh, uh, Ethan. Uh, I just I don't know. I just I think Bryce Young is better now. Granted, Matt Corral does run better. I get that part. But I just think from a pure quarterback passer, I think Bryce Young is above the rest, in my opinion. I mean, he, last week, Mississippi State, 348, four touchdowns. And in the loss, threw for 369, three touchdowns. I mean, last week against Ole Miss, Corral only threw for 231. He did miss some throws that I've seen. I just think Bryce Young is a, is a better overall passer. I will give the athlete perspective to Corral clearly. Um, now, Corral's had better passing games than what he did last week, but I think I go from consistency basis. I like Young from that perspective. And I know you said about Jalen Hurts. Obviously, his passer developed at Oklahoma. I think Young is a better passer than he was his first two years at Alabama than Jalen Hurts ever was at Alabama. Oklahoma, different story. But to me, I'm going to lean towards towards Bryce Young as of now. Obviously, Corral could change that opinion when he plays later in the season. And on Saturday, Young could, you know, out for summer for whatever reason. We could somehow stop him. I don't know. But I think Bryce Young is, to me, the Heisman candidate, the Heisman front runner. I think he's a better passer. Yeah, I'm I'm a little torn because after last week, I mean, Corral was just so good. And like Ethan mentioned, he's got that a bonus if he can run. And as, if the Heisman candidate or if the Heisman is just go to the best player in college, 
college football. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to to deny. There's what eight touchdowns he has on mm-hmm. the ground too, mm-hmm. in addition. But I don't know. I think I might be leaning young right now. We'll see what happens Saturday and just through the rest of the year. We're halfway through, so it's yeah. it's still early. But um, yeah, it's kind of a coin flip. I don't think you can go wrong with either pick at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but let's just keep talking Alabama. Um, their offense it looks a little different this year, and maybe not as explosive as what people are used to with Bill O'Brien now. It's very traditional, a bit more conservative style of offense. But that's not stopping that's not stopping Bryce Young and them from having plenty of success. I count eleven players on Alabama's offense with a touchdown from scrimmage. Eleven players, and seven of them have multiple. Now that's I mean that's. Some teams, a lot of teams would dream to have that many plays with that many touchdowns. So, I mean, what does Tennessee have to do to stop this offense? I know, like we mentioned, they're not maybe as explosive as they were, but is there anything they can do to kind of get to Bryce Young and kind of limit that group? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing that Tennessee needs to do is just control the big play from happening as much as possible. Obviously, Bryce Young will love to take the deep shots, the deep throws, um... I just think if they can, and then also the good thing now, this good chance on Saturday, Bryce Young has only ran for minus two yards on the season. Mm. So now, granted, obviously Alabama can do some scouting, see that Tennessee has given up a lot of yards to Emory Jones and Matt Corral in the quarterback running department. Mm-hmm. So that could obviously change, but you have that going in. Bryce Young, yes, he can run, but he may not be that threat as them, as them two were. So you may not have to worry about it as much. So UT can kind of back off a little bit, just playing coverage, play down a lot of scrimmage because obviously Alabama will want to will run will want to run the football clearly, but just contain the big play, force turnovers. Matt Corral's already thrown three on the season. I saw you said in the rundown they forced how many or they've had how many fumbles this year? They've uh, Alabama has lost six fumbles this year. Right. So they're not. I mean, they're not like you know, and they you know they're not like they're Thanos or something and don't have you know any. <laughs> You know they can't. They're not invincible. They are real. They do come to uh, come to earth at some points. Create turnovers. Simple as that. You saw Tennessee create turnovers on Saturday. Had a chance to beat Ole Miss. I'm not saying if they do that, they can beat Alabama. But just disrupt them a little bit. Get some pressure. Contain them as much as possible. And just don't get hurt. For goodness sakes, don't get hurt anymore. Yeah, and you know. Alabama has, I think the thing that kind of puts Corral, and I, I promise I'm going somewhere with this, the thing that puts Corral over um, over Young, or right now, I think, is just his receivers are not as good as Alabama's. Alabama has weapons at receiver. I'll give you that. And so, so kind of my segue where I'm going with this is, Tennessee secondary played great against Ole Miss. That's fair. That was that was a fantastic game. Yeah. To continue that success for going forward, you know, to stop Alabama's offense, that secondary is going to have to work. Yeah. Um, we'll you know, they they play, you know, you can say top two in Heisman candidate last week against Ole Miss, and they had their hands full stopping that. But this week, I think they have even more of a challenge just because the talent they're going up against at wide receiver is. Yeah. Pretty shocking, honestly. When yeah. you when you when you put it out, you know you got Mitch, you got Jamison Williams, mm-hmm. who leads them in um, in touchdown catches this year. I think he has six, which yeah, is a right. dumb number yeah. in in eight games. And and you know you just got they got so many guys there that can catch the ball yards after catch that can really you know add to that explosive uh, gene, I guess that that Alabama really has going for them. You know, 
I'm not sure that their running game is quite what it was. You know, Brian Robinson is obviously an elite runner. He knows, you know, how to run you over. He can punish mm-hmm. you. But their rushing game is not where Alabama gets it done. It's through the air that Alabama is going to be able to get you. And Tennessee's secondary, which hasn't played fantastic this year, and that really stepped up last week, is going to have to do it again yeah, if, if this is going to be competitive. I mean, I know you said Brian Robinson, you know, it's not the Alabama, it's not Mark Ingram, Najee Harris mm-hmm. of last year. He still has 614 yards on the ground and yeah. eight touchdowns. So he still it averages about five yards a carry, so they still can ground and pound oh, you. Yeah. It's not the Alabama of, you know, ten years ago. But they're still a threat. Obviously, they have evolved into their deep passing threat. Bryce Young, Mechie, all those guys you just mentioned. See, I think I think um, Josh brought up a good point before we started talking about this. Bill O'Brien being in that system yeah, that changes really it. kind of changes stuff yeah. because O'Brien has always been a guy that kind of wants to just chuck the ball all over the place. He's a little more conservative yeah. you know, when it comes down to, to play calling, but he's always been that pass-first yeah. type of guy. And, and I think that's I don't know I'm I'm not 100 percent sure about that with a guy like like Brian Robinson on the bench because not on the bench but like in the backfield ki- yeah. kind of what yeah. I said earlier like Robinson it, it kind of sounded like I was saying that they don't have a rushing attack they do they just don't use it the way they use sure. their receivers so sure. I think it's going to be more important in the secondary stopping them than it will be with the front seven yeah. because that's just not what they go to first even though I sound dumb because Robinson has eight touchdowns <laughs> on the season yeah and that's that really just shows though. You can go after one thing on defense. You can mm-hmm. say this is where they're going to get us, and they'll just get you in another way. Exactly. I mean, they they have a elite offense, and it doesn't matter who you're playing. If they have an elite offense, like Ole Miss showed last week, yeah. they're going to be able to put up points. Right. So so you kind of got to mitigate the damage rather than just, say we're going to stop Brian Robinson, we're yeah. going to stop Jamison Will, you know, stuff like that. The yeah. great minds like that just find a way. That's all it is. Yeah. For me, when I look at any chance that Tennessee's going to have to have success against Ole Miss, it's gonna it's gonna come in red in the red zone. It's gonna yeah. come in stopping Alabama's red zone defense mm-hmm. um, offense in the red zone. And I can't I can't find the exact numbers. I'm slow to pull this up. Um, but I think Alabama's probably near perfect in its red zone. Here we go. Um, thirty two for thirty five well that's opponent. So they're sixteen for eighteen in the red zone. No, just kidding. It was thirty two to thirty five. 32 out of 35 times Alabama gets in the red zone, they score. On the other side of that, when you look at Tennessee's defense, um, let's see, they have allowed a score, and I'm struggling through this, they've allowed a score in 21 of 23 times. Wow. So Pitt hey, was 7 for 7, Florida was 5 for 5, Ole Miss 4 for 4. I think their only two stops were both against South Carolina. Yeah. So when a team gets in the red zone against Tennessee, they're going to score. And then you put a team like Alabama, and and it only gets worse. So any any chance of success is going to have to be in kind of limiting those red zones. And I don't know. I don't know if Tennessee's going to be able to do it. I just from a talent level, I don't know that they're quite there yet. Yeah. Um. But that's that's my key. Yeah. Tennis. Sorry, it's, Tennessee has really been the opposite of a bend don't break defense. Yeah. You know, um, I, I follow a couple teams in the NFL that are completely opposite of that. <laughs> they are they are bend don't break yeah. and they stop you in the red zone. Yeah. But Tennessee, I mean, that is a shocking stat that yeah. twenty one out of twenty three times there has been a score. And you know, when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. They, you know, their their defense it either punches you in the mouth. It doesn't create too many turnovers but yeah. it's either kind of three and out or they're gonna score like yeah. when they get going it and they get tired and and just 
all that stuff. I feel like Tim Banks has especially put some emphasis yeah. on going out there and hitting them in the mouth when yeah. you can. And, yeah. you know, that shows the first play of the Ole Miss, the first drive of the Ole Miss thing. I think they went three and out. Am I correct that they went three and out? They, and then had one they, first down. Plays, they, they might have gotten one first down. It, though, so yeah, I mean, I mean basically a win. they had yeah. one of the best offenses in the nation. Exactly. Funny. I, I may have been wrong about the yeah. three and out, but yes, they have the you know, one of the better offenses right. punting, and then, you know, Valus Jones drops the ball, drops, and then, yeah. you know, when you have a short field like that, you can't you really blame him. You can't really yeah, blame no. him at that point. No. And, and so, I don't know. That's that's still just a pretty it shocking is. number, yeah. 21 of 23. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's that's obviously yeah. going to have to get better. You know, you can say that it's the opposite of a bend-on break, but you can't have that against the yeah. Kentuckys, against the Georgias, yeah. Bamas of the world. And I mean, field goals, if you can get that, that's a win. Mm-hmm. If you can hold them to three or nothing, three or less, that's a win. Obviously, mm-hmm. touchdown, not that good. But if they can somehow contain them from just getting into the end zone, that is a win. Yeah. Um, I think field goals are counting in that stat, so maybe it's a little – but, I mean, still, to your point, it's they're going to have to limit that – that, um, those red zone opportunities. Yeah. Um, but let's kind of look at Alabama's year in general. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're sitting 6-1 and one and number four in the country. And, you know, how, how many teams would love to be in that spot right now? But from an outside perspective, someone that's not, you know, covering Alabama within the program at all, it kind of seems like it's a down year for them, right? They started number one or they were up to number one at one point. I mean, do you think it's a fair assessment to say that this is a down year for Alabama? Is that just our standards are so high? Does that speak to what they've done in the past? I mean, yeah, so Nick Saban actually said a little while ago, he was like, I don't think we are being um, within the locker room. I don't think we call ourselves elite anymore. And people rolled their eyes at that, and I was one of them included that rolled my eyes at that. It's like, Nick, you are a top five team in the country. You lost to A&M, but stuff like that happens when you're in College Station. Like, they're just crazy down there. So, so, you know, you play a team like A&M that had legitimate talent coming into the season. You know, they've had their share of struggles, but they have the talent. That's not as awful of a loss as it seems on paper, but that doesn't mean that Alabama doesn't normally whip them, you know, every year in, year out. So, to say it's a down year, that's that's a weird phrasing, but it's something close to a down year. I'm not sure it's it's necessarily they're not playing up to their potential, but they usually win those games, and that's something to be noticed. I mean, I think it's just a different year because they've lost so many big names, and Tua, and Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, you know, Heisman winner last year, Devontae Smith, like I just said. You know, you've got different guys they're getting used to. Obviously, you know Mechie, you knew Bryce Young, but their defense this year has been tested, and that's not a Nick Saban, you know, thing through and through. And also this year, they're not the best team in the SEC. That doesn't happen too often. So I I think that's another reason why some people are kind of, you know, I wouldn't say off them, but kind of looking past them. And I wouldn't do that because they got Nick Saban, who's won eight natties. Um, so, like, I... I it's just, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it as a down year. I think that they've just kind of taken a step back, like, whoa, we just lost, let's regroup, and I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, and, I mean, this might be a little uh, hypothetical, I guess, but I think not having Clemson in the picture yeah. kind of has some people like, oh, what's, you know, Alabama's yeah. not undefeated. And, and it's because I, that intrinsic rivalry between Alabama and Clemson just yeah. isn't there right now. So they're trying to find other teams to compare Alabama to. Yeah. And, you know, it, it might sound like I'm kind of talking in circles, but you got Georgia, who's a legitimate, really, really good team and yes. better than Alabama. Yes. And so you don't have that conversation going of, is Bama better, is Clemson better, when 
let's be honest, Bama's the second best team in the country. Like, they're yeah. ranked number four. If you put them up against just about anybody except for Georgia, I think they beat them right, yeah. right now. Now, they're number four because they lost to Texas A&M. Sure. And, and like I said earlier, Texas A&M, they had the talent. They have had their share of struggles, but they have the talent sure. to beat a team like Alabama, especially in a place like Kyle Field. And I don't know if you've been to Kyle Field. Apart from Neyland and maybe like – Maybe Penn State Penn in a State, whiteout. The big house, that is yeah. just the most brutal atmosphere to play in. I, believe I guarantee it. it. Yeah. They are borderline insane down yeah. there. Um, it's just a bizarre experience <laughs> going down there. And so, I mean, this sounds weird, but it probably just shook them. It <laughs> probably know? did. It's, it, I mean, and for those guys who are new to playing Alabama for probably the first time at Kyle Field, so, it shook them up. Yeah. yeah. For uh, for Young, I mean, he's a freshman quarterback, and he goes into Kyle Field where it, everybody is just organized yelling at all times. Yes. And it's not just yelling. They have, like, chants that they yeah, go the over before leaders. the game. Yeah. And, you know, they're very coordinated with that kind of stuff. And this isn't a Texas A&M podcast, but they are crazy, crazy. down there in yeah. college stations. Crazy. So they're built to, different. To say that <laughs> Alabama wouldn't beat Texas A&M nine out of ten times, I think you're kidding yourself. Yeah. I, and I think, too, for Alabama, the crazy part is they got to win out, though. Because mm-hmm. if they lose, if they if they get another hiccup, lose to Georgia, they're not going to the, they're not going to the playoff. Mm-hmm. That's happening. Yeah. So they got to win out, and obviously they can do it. They've done it before, but they cannot have any more hiccups, whether it's to – now, Georgia, if they lost to that, understandable. But, you know, they still got LSU, Auburn, Iron Bowl. Not saying they, I, mean, Iron, I mean, Auburn knows Alabama. Still going to be a tough game. So they've got some, you know, SEC, anybody can be anybody. It's just going to happen. So they've definitely got to, you know, they cannot have another A&M game. They have no room for air anymore. They had one room for air, and now it's gone. They cannot lose again. So yeah. I, I will be interested to see how they play the rest of this yeah, season. Yeah, and I would be, I'm, I'll keep it brief, my final thought, I would be shocked if, if they did lose another game. I will it's, agree. Except for before, maybe Georgia. Before Georgia. Before Georgia, Georgia, that's, that's, yeah. Georgia is, is yes. a very, very good football yes. team. So you can't really, you, you can't really, I guess, say, like, Bama's having a down year if they lose to Georgia because no. that's definitely Georgia's not the case. Good. Bama, I think you can officially say they're having a down year if they lose to LSU, if they yeah. lose to Auburn, if they lose to Arkansas, yeah. if they lose to Tennessee, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, stuff like that. No, <laughs> crazy. You know. we're getting craziness <laughs> yeah, now. Now we're getting into crazy yeah. territory, but yeah, that, that's my thought on yeah. Bama. They're a wagon. They always will be a wagon. You can't count right. them out. Yep. Yeah, can't, I, can't. I feel the exact same way, yeah. especially with Nick Saban at the helm. I mean, you can never count them out. I was looking at his college football reference at Alabama, 15 years, 176 and 24. That that shocks me every time. 14 and 5 in bowl games, as you mentioned, eight national championships. He's had a number one overall team at some point in every season he's been at Alabama. I mean, if if there's anybody that in the midst of a down year, and I, you can't see, but I'm doing finger quotes there, in a down year that can right the ship just from a coaching standpoint and you know carry his team back to the maybe even the college football playoffs it's 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 Nick Saban in Alabama and as you put it earlier I mean he's inevitable we mentioned Thanos but um yeah I mean just I I would never count out Nick Saban in Alabama even in the middle of a down year like this yeah um so we're we're running a bit long but I do want to kind of close well, I guess I should say Tennessee, Alabama kicks off at 7 p.m. in Alabama. We're going to be there, so I'm excited for that. Ooh, first, not lucky yeah. you guys. I will say, I, I was there in 2009. Yeah, 
Electric. Yeah, I'm Electric. excited. I'm I'm genuinely excited to go to Alabama, Brian Denny Stadium. Obviously, yeah, that's kind of where the inspiration for the lights came from. Yeah. you know, whisper, whisper, don't say that. Whisper, whisper. We took it from <laughs> yeah. Alabama. Yeah, but yeah. We took it from Alabama. Yeah. No, Brian <laughs> is uh, obviously that game that I went to. Tough game, but the environment, the the atmosphere, and Brian Denny, incredible. You are gonna have so much fun. Yeah. So I think I. I think just before we move into our final topic of the day, I think we should just give predictions. I mean, I, I sure. feel like I feel like that's a good idea. And yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone listening knows where this is going. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But Riley, let's start it off. Let me. What do we have? A, is there a final? Is there a final spread? Is it 24, 25? I they opened at twenty nine. Twenty nine. I believe, but is I'm not dropping? sure. I'm not sure where it's sitting right let this me, moment. Uh, before I make my final prediction, because for our degenerate gamblers out there, you might want to know what the spread is. <laughs> Um, let's see. I, I I mean, it probably is that, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it, it, it will be, I will be shocked if Tennessee stays within three or four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just being real. Our depth issues, quarterback play, if we're playing Milton and or Bailey against that Nick Saban coach team, it's going to be a struggle. And Bryant Denny Stadium, let's just put it how it is. We just need to Tennessee just needs to get through this week healthy as possible and get into the bye week and focus on the last four games of the season. I I, I think Tennessee will lose. Um, let let me look up at the spread real quick. It's not going to be pretty. Um, While Riley's doing that, I'll go yeah. ahead and give my prediction. I I think this is going to be one of the most inspired three touchdown losses you will yeah, see from Tennessee in a I while. Um, obviously, I think it's going to be Bama. You got them at home. If you have them in Knoxville, I don't know, maybe you give them a little tussle and you you have it, you know, seven-point game at the, at the last little bit. I can kind of see that. But if you're in Bryant-Denny, that elite atmosphere, you got them just coming off a loss a little bit ago to Texas A&M. Alabama is not on the – on track to lose right now, they're in that winning mentality. They know what's on, on the table. They can't lose anymore. And, you know, I think I think there's going to be an inspired performance from both sides. I think Tennessee's going to come out and mm-hmm. compete. I think it's going to be, you know, pretty close at first. I think first half we could be talking about a seven-point game going into yeah. halftime. But I, I'm going to say, you know, I'll say Alabama 38, Tennessee 20, you know, 19, yeah. 21, something like that. I, I think I think it'll I think it'll be semi respectable, yeah. but I, I don't think it's gonna be a I don't think it's gonna be a Tennessee win. Josh, how about you? I, yeah. I guess I'm leaning quite the other way, just in in the spirit of consistency with what I put in our news in our weekly newspaper, which came out Wednesday, so you should definitely pick that up. They're in the orange racks outside the buildings on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Alabama forty nine fourteen. Maybe that's closer than what it's been, or maybe I'm not giving Tennessee enough credit. Yeah. Who knows? But with with Hendon Hooker out and with Joe Milton in, and I'm sure Joe Milton's a great guy, but I think Tennessee will be lucky to score two to three touchdowns. Yeah. I'm I'm I just I'm sorry. I, don't, I know Hypo has kind of turned his program around, and they're definitely heading in the right direction. But we're what seven games in, eight games in. I guess this will be. I just don't think on a pure talent level yeah. Tennessee is there. So I think this might be a bit of a rough Saturday. I'm, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as uh, maybe you guys are sounding. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, like what Ethan said, I could see the score being similar to Florida. Yeah. Like we play re- like Tennessee plays really well in the first half, and then second half, like Florida kind of just overtook Tennessee. Alabama will probably do the same. So the spread right now, according to Sportsbook Wire USA Today, Tennessee is underdog by 27.5 points. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'll go. I like that spread for Tennessee. That's a big number. That is huge. I, I will still say Bama beats Tennessee consist uh, pretty convincingly, but I like the spread personally. So I like Alabama forty five. I'll go Tennessee twenty. You know, like I say, good teams win. Great teams cover. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I think I think that's that's yeah. got some truths to it yeah. for sure. I forty five twenty sounds pretty reasonable. Tennessee opinion. has a chance to get get it within twenty. I yeah, think I, I think I, that's I do doable. Well. But I think anything more than you know seventeen, like I said, thirty one twenty one, and that's even stretching it. That's me being optimistic. optimistic that's me yeah. trying to, but you know, pump some good stuff my into first, the veins. My first thing, you know, if I was being consistent like Josh, and mine kind of changes as it goes along. Yeah. My first instinct was fifty two to fourteen Alabama, yeah. and so off and, a recency bias. Yeah. I mean, seriously, and I can yeah. definitely still see it happening. Yeah. But you know. Josh, yeah. So that, like I said, seven p.m. Uh, Saturday, Saturday evening. Uh, it's again it's on ESPN. We'll have coverage on uh, utdailybeacon.com. Um, as we close, as if you know, this past weekend hasn't been chaotic and hectic, hectic enough for Tennessee. Uh, last night, pretty, I don't know, bombshell report, whatever you want to call it, about the Jeremy Pruitt. Um, firing and the lawsuit that he has, and I don't, I don't want to get into it too much. Uh, we are running long, but there's a lot of legal use in that, yeah. and we don't, we don't want to mess up something there. But the gist of it is, Jeremy Pruitt was fired for cause back in January for recruiting violations, um, and with that, they, Tennessee didn't have to pay Pruitt the buyout, which was twelve point six million dollars, mm-hmm. and so he's suing for a settlement. I don't know if he's going to take all of if he wants all of it or if he'll take you know a little bit less. But he's suing them. And last night it was reported that his lawyer has given the university an, an ultimatum by October 29th. Um, they reach a settlement, or let's see. Um, he's got I can't I can't get the wording, but basically it's a report, and he's just going to name a bunch of people and instances mm-hmm. where the. The University of Tennessee has had past recruitment violations and such. Um, and this is what the lawyer said. This is a quote, it will cripple UT's athletic program for years. Yeah. So that's obviously a big report. I mean, there's a lot of names mentioned. Um, it goes back as far as Butch Jones, um, Willie Martinez, who I, I think he's with Tennessee again right now as, as, a, um, as an assistant. Um, he mentioned Rick Barnes, Donnie Plowman. Philip Fulmer from his time as athletic director. So there's a lot of names, a lot of big names in this. And, I mean, if it's true, that definitely would cripple UT's athletic program for years. Um, and I don't want to speculate or anything, but it seems a bit to me like they're just calling a bluff, trying to yeah. get trying to get that payment. Um, in my mind, when you, when you name people, and I've never covered the Tennessee basketball beat before. This will be my first time this year, so mm-hmm. I've – can't say that I even know Rick Barnes, but if, if you're going to call out somebody for their reputation and for cheating and whatever it might be, Rick Barnes is not the person to do so. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a deacon, a reverend, right? I mean, yeah. like he's, his reputation, I think, speaks for himself. And he responded, Fulmer responded, and they basically said, yeah, Jeremy Pruitt's in the situation he is now because of the choices he made. Yeah. Um, Rick Barnes was like, I welcome you to come search. I've got too much respect for the university. So there's a lot of back and forth. Like it's it's early. I mean, on the day we're recording this, it's the twentieth, so there's still nine days out. Yeah. So there'll be more news to come on this, but right now it seems like maybe Pruitt is trying to 
bluff for someone. Yeah. yeah, like Josh said, this is a developing story. When you listen to this, there might be more information, but I don't know. I want to keep it brief as well because I'm, I'm just not too versed in this stuff. But, you know, he's calling out several people. Bobby Mays, Willie Martinez were included. Obviously, you got Rick Barnes. Obviously, you got Butch Jones from, from previous administrations. And, you know, this just – they even said, like – a quote verbatim was, we're not bluffing, which very much sounds like somebody <laughs> bluffing. that's bluffing yeah. to me. And like I said, I don't want to speculate either because I don't, I just don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to the legal side of things. But yeah. Rick Barnes is not the guy I would go after. No. And if, but if, if for some, if by some, you know, miracle that, that, that Prude is, is being truthful and his lawyer is being truthful and they really have this information, this, this is pretty significant stuff. Um, this, yeah. this would, this would not only get a guy like Rick Barnes either expelled or, you know, fired, suspended, whatever the word you want to use, it would get a lot of people at Tennessee fired and it would kind of derail them for a while. And this is that, that was me speculating a hundred percent. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I think it's more likely that yeah. this is just them trying to reach a settlement. This is Pruitt trying to yeah. make some quick money because he got wronged or he feels like he got wronged by the yeah. University of Tennessee. I mean, just to get over with it, if Tennessee wants to, just give him some money. Don't give him the 12.6. <laughs> just give him whatever you feel like giving him comfortably and just move on. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, there's no point in this. Like you said, he's probably bluffing. We just we don't know. Would they really want to have to go – I'm not saying when they would pay their lawyers, pay whatever, would cost as much as they would just pay Pruitt, but would they, do they really want to go through the hassle, the legal trouble of all this stuff? I mean, I wouldn't personally. So in my opinion, just to get over with, just pay Pruitt, whatever. Don't pay him the 12. Just try and find a lower settlement. Just move on and forget and just put this behind us. Like, There's no point for him to call anybody out like this. It's just pointless. This makes you look bad. Yeah. At this point, public enemy number one now I, at Knoxville. I recommend reading the original article. I think it was broken by Blake Toffmeyer. Great yeah. read. Knox um, News Sentinel, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Great read. Uh, very interesting stuff, kind of yeah. going more into the legal stuff. When I read it, I felt like I was, in, I, was I, I knew what I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> you know, I, I obviously don't. There's a, there's yeah. a lot of fancy words that I uh, did not go to law school for. But sure. There's, there's a reason I'm yeah. in, in, in JM. We'll see but what happens. Very interesting stuff, none, yeah. nonetheless. Um, you know, get your popcorn ready because there's some interesting yeah. things that are going to come out one we'll way see. or another. But, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have coverage of that UT Daily Beacon as well as more news develops. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this uh, second episode of the Checkerboard Chat of, I guess, the 2021 season. Yeah. So um, thanks for listening. We'll be back at it next week to talk Alabama and bye week. And I guess we'll probably get into some basketball previews. Sweet. Maybe. So we got a lot of good stuff coming. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See y'all. See you guys.